0: You're listening to Work in Progress. I'm Ramona Schindelheim, Editor-in-Chief of Working Nation. Work in Progress explores the rapidly changing workplace through conversations with innovators, educators, and decision makers, people with solutions to today's workforce challenges. College has played a vital role in the economic growth and prosperity for many people in this country, but it has not been the silver bullet for everyone for a variety of reasons, with time and money being two of them. So what is the alternative for a country of employers desperate for talent and for job seekers who want to become part of that workforce of skilled and experienced talent? In his new book, Ryan Craig, Managing Director of Achieve Partners, makes the very strong case that apprenticeship is one answer. Ryan's new book, Apprentice Nation, is out today. Ryan, congratulations, and thanks for joining me on the Work in Progress podcast. Thanks, Ramona. Great to be back. Good to see you. So... What's wrong with college?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had two prior books, College Disrupted in a New U, where I, I feel like I covered a lot of that. So this is kind of uh, the greatest hits of that. But, you know, I, I tried to summarize it as follows, which is I think colleges do as good a job as they've ever done at equipping uh, students with the cognitive skills, critical thinking skills, problem-solving skills, communication skills uh, that students need. The problem uh, it's not college's fault, but the economy has changed. Digital transformation has fundamentally changed the skills that employers are seeking in employees and specifically for entry-level employees. And AI is going to make it worse. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that. That's the problem. Colleges, I, I frame it in the book as colleges are closed, right? I mean, the, the, the original colleges and univ- the original universities were kind of like monasteries, right? They were secluded, uh, protected regions where you could go and you could pursue the life of the the spirit or or the mind in a dangerous world. In many ways, they're still very closed off and they're closed off to the real economy in a number of ways that make it very challenging to address the, the shortcomings that we're seeing relative to equipping graduates with the skills that employers are seeking.
0: Give me a top line definition. What's an apprenticeship? Yeah, uh,
1: an apprenticeship is uh, unlike uh, any other training or educational program or pathway. Uh, it is a job. Uh, it's a job first and foremost. And so I'm not sure I grasped that uh, when I first began working uh, in this area, maybe a decade ago, I had the same bias. Uh, oh, that's just for you know plumbers and electricians and roofers. What's, what's exciting about it is that it puts employment and the job Uh, first, which means that it's truly a level playing field, right? You don't need to worry about whether the job seeker or the the prospective student can afford to take on a student loan debt or is willing to take on risk relative to ultimate employment. Those problems are solved because it is a job, it's a full-time job that pays a living wage uh, from the get-go.
0: So an apprenticeship, a learn and earn model, that can get to some of the issues of this leveling of the playing field. It can make it easier for someone to be able to learn what they need for a job, get the experience they need, and be able to afford it.
1: Well, yeah. And I think that's, that, that equally important, though, Ramona, is the fact that the skills, many of the skills that employers are finding hardest to find are skills that are much harder to learn in a classroom than they are in a work-like setting right think about the salesforce platform for example can you really learn to use salesforce and to be a salesforce administrator or developer in a classroom you kind of have to work on the platform and in that role and you know in the ho- in the hospital or in the insurance company whatever the uh, applicable industry is to understand and learn how to how to use it and again ai is going to exacerbate things so d- digital transformation is putting a premium On learning by doing, and actually, I think, reducing the value of classroom-based learning.
0: And while we have grown up, I I grew up hearing, go to college, go to college, go to college. That's the path that we need to do. And there's a certain stigma, maybe because of that, you know, it's only skilled trades. And I don't think people are thinking that there are really economically good, I mean, you can make a living, right? But is it going to be that Prosperous, that prosperity. What do you think most Americans think of when they think of an apprenticeship? Is it a good thing or a bad thing?
1: It's a bad thing that they think it's uh, solely a, uh, a product of the of the trades, but that's a function of the fact that uh, the U.S. is last among developed countries in terms of apprenticeship infrastructure. So we've built a very robust uh, college and university infrastructure in this country. We have virtually no apprenticeship infrastructure in this country. And that's why uh, we have about only 500,000 apprentices. Sounds like a lot, but it's 0.3% of the workforce. We are last among developed countries in that area. Germany, Austria, and Switzerland are 10 to 15 times higher in terms of apprentices as a percentage of the workforce. And that might not be surprising to uh, listeners, but uh, the fact that the UK, Canada, Australia, and France are about 8x where we are as a percentage of the workforce will be surprising. Uh, 20, 30 years ago, those countries looked a lot like the U.S. in having a relatively small apprenticeship sector, about 70% in the construction trades, which is where we are today. Today in those countries, it is very, very common to launch a career as a software developer, as an accountant in healthcare through apprenticeship. doesn't mean you're not getting a degree. You might get a degree. You might get a degree before or during or after, but the fact is that a career launch is no longer predicated on your ability to pay tuition, take out student loans, and or persist for a you know four to six year period where you're not working full-time.
0: I'm not asking you to place the blame, but we have a registered apprenticeship program in this country. What's wrong with it?
1: Uh-huh. Well, there are two things wrong with it. Uh, one is the funding of it. We spend about $400 billion a year of taxpayer money on accredited colleges and universities through the federal student loan program, through state uh, funding of their state college and university systems, 400 billion. We spend less than 400 million on apprenticeship, so less than one one-thousandth. If you compare a college student to an apprentice and say, well, how much public support do they receive? For every dollar, that the apprentice receives of taxpayer support, the college student receives fifty dollars. So I don't know whether the right ratio is one to one, two to one, ten to one, but it sure ain't fifty to one or a thousand to one. <laughs> that's not that's not right, and it's not not anywhere close to that in any other country in the world. So we are way out of balance in terms of the the support we have, and that translates into lack of apprenticeship infrastructure in this country. We just simply don't have the number. Of programs, I actually in my book, the appendix is a directory of apprenticeship programs, registered apprenticeship programs outside of construction, because I, my point is that apprenticeships are not just for construction. So I, I excluded the construction apprenticeships. And I looked through all the registered apprenticeship programs listed in the Department of Labor database and asked, well, which ones are actual apprenticeships actually hiring actual apprentices, where you could go and you could apply and you could get hired as an apprentice. There are about 200 for the United States.
0: (laughs) So- That's amazing.
1: Yeah, compared to 4,000 colleges and and universities. And some of these programs are hiring a handful of apprentices each year. So it's tiny uh, and it needs to be bigger. And one, one problem is the level of funding. The second problem is how we're funding. So to the credit of the federal government, uh, funding uh, for the, the Office of Apprenticeship has increased significantly over the past seven years. So I think I'm not the only one who thinks that apprenticeship is a good idea. Lots of people think it's a good idea. The problem is that we aren't funding it the wrong way. The Office of Apprenticeship has been, every year or two, putting together grant programs where they're issuing grants, where they're trying to pick winners, right? They're issuing grants, and those grants are going to community colleges to workforce boards that don't actually create apprenticeship programs because they're not employers. An apprenticeship, first and foremost, is a job. So it has to start with the employer willing to employ an apprentice who's not going to be productive from day one. These Department of Labor grants have been going to community colleges that use the money to create curriculum, the classroom component of the apprenticeship, what's called related technical instruction or RTI, and we'll register the program and then kind of sit on that curriculum waiting for an employer to come along and say, we'd love to use your curriculum for our apprenticeship program. That's not how apprenticeships are created. The UK, Australia, France, Canada, we've seen how they do it. These governments have incentivized the establishment of a robust ecosystem of what I call apprenticeship intermediaries that do the hard work, do the heavy lifting of setting up and running these programs for employers. In no country in the world is an apprenticeship a robust apprenticeship system been created because employers are doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. They don't, not even in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. In those countries, it's the chambers of commerce and unions who are playing the role of intermediaries, setting up and running these apprenticeship programs for employers. And their role in Germany, at least, is is written into statute. They're required to do it by law. So we're not going to replicate that, but we can replicate what the UK and Australia have done, which is to create not a grant-based funding, but formula-based funding where every apprentice hired and trained, you get paid for that. So if you're an employer, you get paid. If you're an intermediary, you get paid for hiring and training that apprentice program. And that's exactly what we've done in in post-secondary education to create the robust ecosystem we have of colleges and universities, right? We have formula-based funding. It's called federal student aid. (laughs) So think about if we had grant-based funding in higher education, we'd have, you know, a couple hundred colleges that would be well funded by the federal government. And then everyone else, it would be there'd be no funding. So if you were rich, you could attend, and if you were poor, you couldn't. So we need to move to formula-based funding with some of the work we've been doing at Achieve and Apprenticeships for America, which is this nonprofit I helped create. It's a trade association of apprenticeship intermediaries. We've helped contribute to the first formula-based funding in the US, which is in California. California last year launched what's what they call the apprenticeship innovation funding, where apprenticeship intermediaries get paid about four thousand dollars for every apprentice they hire and train. And that we need to do that. Every state should be doing that. We should have that on a federal level, and the funding should be sufficient to incentivize a robust uh, ecosystem of intermediaries. We, the goal is we want thousands of intermediaries, for profit, nonprofit, public sector knocking on the doors of every large and mid-sized company in this country, offering to set up and run apprenticeship programs for them. And when we get that, uh, we're going to have tens of thousands of apprenticeship programs and millions of open seats in apprenticeship uh, programs where these apprentices are going to be hired. And that is sort of our vision of an apprentice nation where we have, have as many seats as we have seats in colleges and universities and a high school graduate seeking to launch a career I uh, will have a true choice between paying tuition, taking on debt, investing in themselves, not working or pursuing an earn and learn pathway from the get-go.
0: Have you seen any progress in that? I know you said you've been working here in California with that. Has there been any programs that you'd like to shout out, to give a shout out to?
1: Yeah, I think there are other states that are uh, doing a good job at setting goals Around like uh, in Indiana, Maryland, they're setting goals around apprenticeship without necessarily providing the funding <laughs> for it. Uh, other states are doing uh, are, are increasing funding, but at a low at a low level. I think that this is. I mean, one thing that's um, obvious is that this is one of the few areas where uh, folks on both sides of the aisle can agree. I haven't met anyone who, for political reasons, is against the idea of expanding apprenticeship programs. It is a good idea. We need to do it. Uh, the economy has changed. Colleges and universities aren't, aren't equipped to get everyone into a good job from the get-go. We need a greater diversity of uh, career pathways. Apprenticeship is the gold standard because, again, it's a job that pays a living wage and has a career pathway built in.
0: You mentioned earlier in the conversation that AI is likely a player in this field. How how so?
1: What AI is going to do is it's going to widen what I call the experience gap. So a lot of the challenges that young people have in launching careers, look at cybersecurity, for example, cybersecurity, entry-level psych, you want to become a tier one cybersecurity analyst, you want to break in. These job descriptions ask for, ask for certifications that basically would require you to have been in the field for two years. That's an experience gap. That's a big problem we see ai moving almost all jobs in that direction and here's why think back to your first job your first good job at a college you probably spent i don't know maybe half your time doing menial work that you were getting done while you actually learned your job learned the business became more productive and became able to do higher value activities generative ai is going to do most of that menial work such that the expectations in a couple years that employers are gonna have on entry-level employees, you're gonna be expected to do higher value work from the get-go. And that higher value work, you're not gonna be able to do without experience. You're gonna need to have experience to come into that job, leverage the AI and do that higher value work. Network in your industry, help with sales, right? It's not just gonna be simply, you know, going and helping develop a a client presentation for an investment bank because the AI is gonna put that together for you. So those entry-level jobs, there's gonna be a greater experience gap how, to, how, do you, how are we going to close that experience gap has to be through something like an apprenticeship program where you're coming in, you're learning, you're earning, you're gaining experience, and then that employer then will have the opportunity to uh, bring you on after you've had the experience of that apprenticeship program. So I think that in a decade, most young Americans, whether they're coming from high school, whether they're coming from community college, whether they're coming with a bachelor's degree, or whether they're coming with a graduate or professional degree, are going to launch their careers with something like an apprenticeship program of some kind. That apprenticeship program, some companies will run themselves; more of them will be run by intermediaries.
0: And so, when you think about where we're at—the we skills gap, the experience gap, the high cost of you know four-year school—it makes sense that you know apprenticeships could be a solution. But where do you see the friction? Where do you see the resistance still?
1: Well, there's, it's not so much resistance. I think everyone agrees it's a good idea. The question is how to do it. And I think what the book charts is, well, other countries have gone down this road before. And we look in, in a deep way at what the UK and Australia have done. And we say, okay, here's what that would mean in terms of the US if we were to follow in their direction. And here's what that would mean for uh, the future of, of hiring and the career launch and the future of education in this country. So that's really what the book, what the book is about. I, I hope that it can help stimulate the conversation at the federal and state level because, look, we've just been doing it wrong. (laughs) We've been doing it wrong. And uh, I think part of of the reason we've done it wrong, Ramona, is that it's been conflated with every other workforce and educational pathway. You look at how its uh, apprenticeship is funded, right? Apprenticeship is funded uh, out of the same dollars that are used to fund other workforce programs, but it's different. It's different because it's a job. It's a job first and foremost, and it means that it's not just a training program or pathway. It starts with an employer willing to employ an apprentice who's not going to be productive from day one, which means that we need a different approach to it. But the good news is that other countries have shown us the way. So let's go full
0: circle. What happens to college?
1: Yeah, look, I think that colleges and universities, if you've read some of my writing, you know that I I think that (laughs) they do wonderful work in many ways, but they are resistant to change. I think that uh, the way in which they're going to change is when prospective students vote with their feet and don't enroll, and they will change. And I think that it's, this is all about building the apprenticeship infrastructure we need in order to provide options for millions of career launchers through apprenticeship so that those students will have a, tr- a real choice. And uh, colleges and universities that aren't addressing student needs will be forced to change uh, because the students that they're expecting won't, won't show up on their doorstep and won't be paying tuition anymore. So uh, I think it's a bit of a forcing function. It's not going to happen overnight, but as we build this uh, apprenticeship infrastructure, it's going to happen slowly and surely. And of course, you know, the top 50 or hundred schools, the brand name schools, the famous schools will always have a line out the door because of the value of that brand and credential. But we're talking about the other 95% of colleges and universities. And, you know, honestly, we've kind of seen it. Over the last couple of years at community colleges, in terms of the enrollment declines, we've double-digit enrollment declines for consecutive years at community colleges. So I would I expect that to continue, and I expect that to continue until schools differentiate themselves and demonstrate to students their ability to move students from point A to point B, where point B is, you know, clear pathway to socioeconomic mobility and a good first job.
0: And I think that last part is extremely important. It is about the future of our nation and the future of our workers.
1: Yeah, a lot of the economic, political, and even social challenges we've had over the last decade come right back to the fact that the pathway to uh, participating in the vibrant digital economy of this country uh, has not felt open to people or has only gone through a four-year degree, uh, which is not accessible to those without the means and without the support to persist through a four or five, six year journey without working full time. So an apprenticeship, an apprentice nation where there are millions of apprenticeships that can lead to careers in uh, financial services, tech, healthcare, you know, all the logistics, all the vibrant growing sectors of the economy is one where people are going to feel very differently about their prospects uh, and about the country. And I hope that hope that we can get there.
0: Ryan, thank you very much for the conversation. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks,
1: Ramona. Always great talking to you.
0: I've been speaking to Ryan Craig. He's the author of the new book, Out Today, Apprentice Nation, How the Earn and Learn Alternative to Higher Education Will Create a Stronger and Fairer America. I'm Ramona Schindelheim, Editor-in-Chief of Working Nation. Thank you for listening.